XX Equals is a focused, user-centered innovation collective within Canadian Ford, and this is our podcast. Our aim is to close the gap between perception and reality when designing for women. So jump in and join us as we talk to some of the leaders, experts, and trailblazers in this space. Hello and welcome to XX Equals. My name is Merle Hall. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by a member of our own XX Equals team and KD team, Lucy Baldwin. Lucy, welcome. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners, please? Yeah, of course. So I'm Lucy Baldwin um, and I am a member of KD and XX Equals, as Mel said. I work as a senior consultant in our insight and innovation team and really what that means is I'm working right at the fuzzy front end um, trying to define what it is that our our customers and the people um, we design products for really want where do they find value and how is that going to change in the future what are the trends that we need to tap into Um, and when it comes I guess to xx equals what does that mean for um, women and people who identify as women in that audience in particular Um, I guess that brings us nicely on to what we're going to talk about today Mel. It certainly does. Thank you, Lucy. And today we are going to talk about another underserved and underrepresented um, uh, sort of sector of community that, uh, as you have pulled sort of some information together and shared it so beautifully um, within the team, I thought we wanted to take that to the next step, next step and share that with our listeners as well. Now, Lucy, you call it the Grenaissance. Is this a term that you have created or is this uh, one that was already in existence? So it's not widely in existence, although I think it should be. I found it um, when I was doing a little bit of Instagramming um, and looking around and it's a hashtag and someone's got a Grenaissance account with lots of very um, interesting takes and insights about um, this this generation, which is which is the baby boomers. Um, but I think it's a much nicer way um, to, to think about the audience. Um, much nicer term, really. I know that we have talked about this previously. There are some absolutely terrible terms, aren't there, which the yeah. baby boomers are referred Still to. All the surfers. Yeah. Yeah, not good. No, really not good at all. And this area uh, or this sort of sector of, of our society, as I mentioned before, you know, we believe that they're they're quite underrepresented when brands and companies are thinking about who they want to target. And I know you can share more with us in that space. But what um, what would you say are the characteristics of the baby boomers? So I'll start very, very simply by saying that they are aged between 57 and, and 75. But I think beyond that, and more importantly, um, the sort of life stages and scenarios that you might they might fit into are very entrepreneurial, the biggest group of entrepreneurs, people starting new businesses of any generation. Um, they may well be embarking on second act careers. They might be re- retired, but be trying something new, a new passion. Um, they may well be um, living in multi-generational households. Um, they might have adult children who have come to, to live at home. Um, so rather than, I guess, the stereotype you see of um, kind of empty nesters or people who sort of left home, going on, going on kind of long strolls and taking lots of vacations, they, they might may well still be embarking on new careers, starting new businesses um, and, and kind of having an active role in a multi-generational household. We're seeing that trend emerge as well. And Lucy, why do you think they have been sort of passed over or missed out on by brands and companies? 
I'm, I've been mulling this over and I don't know for sure. I think that for some reason there's a tendency to think that still that um, the millennials and Gen Z audience that to pick the new and shiny group in society and an obsession with youth that we that the world has, the media has, I think has perpetuated that. And then the other thing I think is because they really that generation really do seem to be in, invisible um, in kind of communications and marketing it feels like we sort of go okay people people are kids then they go to school then they start their careers maybe they settle down have children then maybe the children leave home and then suddenly there's this big gap of about 40 years that's not accounted for it's suddenly like almost like your children grow up grow up if you have them then you sort of become invisible 40 years and then we go straight to people in mobility scooters sort of planning for their funerals and there's there's nothing in that big kind of kind of 50 to 80 year old kind of void I guess. And talk me through Lucy the key opportunities as you see them within within those 40 years within that space. I think like a massive one for me um and a passion of mine is um is language and tone of voice like the way that we um are again obsessed with youth and anti-aging um kind of and looking younger and kind of masking creating a mask for ourselves i think really changing that language and and kind of really thinking about that and actually celebrating people for who they are and i think that's true of any generation but i think that really and this audience are kind of sick of being told they need to be other than and what they are um, and other than to kind of celebrate. So I think that um, checking our brand language and and not kind of having this kind of anti anti age um, is a is a really, really big one for me. Um, I think another area I've been thinking about as well is um, thinking about people in terms of their age is quite a simplistic kind of reduction or way to think about people and actually to think about people in terms of life stage or scenario is much more kind of realistic and representative and interesting as well so if you look at a brand like womanness they've looked at people who are um, pre-menopausal in menopause and post-menopausal and looked at all of their their needs as a life stage rather than a specific age group and been able to really successfully tailor products accordingly and I think you could also look at people who live in multi-generational housing as another cohort where actually that starts to bring up some a lot more interesting opportunities than just thinking about someone's someone's age per se. It's interesting, isn't it? And I know because we've talked previously about is it Ozzy Osbourne and Prince Charles are the same age? Is, um, it? is it? I don't I don't know. Are I they? think I remember I don't know if yes, I've got actually yeah, now I'm recalling this. Yeah, I don't know if that if that's right, but I have a feeling they're both sort of the same age. And and ultimately, you know, you've got two two very different attitudes to risk in, in those scenarios, haven't you? You know, you think how can you how can you uh, how can you target something at just if you're just looking at it purely from an age without other overlapping factors as well? And and I guess this is a really fascinating bit, isn't it? Because actually, this this group that we're talking about, the baby boomers, the fifty seven to seventy five year olds they have there's the, that kind of broader attitudinal shift can go in so many different directions at that point in life can't it yeah absolutely and I think um, we've kind of generalized and kind of shaped if when they do get portrayed it's people who are 
kind of slowing down and, and winding down to the latter phase of, of life. And actually, you see a lot of people in in this group who are doing the opposite, kind of finding new hobbies, new passions, pursuing facets of their career and interests that perhaps they, they didn't have the risk appetite to pursue when they were in their 20s, when they were starting out. Um, and we see a kind of an urban renewal as well. We're seeing lots of people, rather than escaping to the countryside, which I think lots of people have done during the pandemic to get more space, actually this audience has a trend to move towards cities um, and kind of being able to have more cultural attractions on your doorstep. I think people have realised during the pandemic quite how important that access to kind of multicultural society, to different amenities, how important those things are. Absolutely. And it's not just about, I think probably historically people might have made the mistake that it's to be, you know, close to a hospital or a GP surgery, but actually it's about everything beyond that, which can really improve and, and add to your quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you take something like a service model like Deliveroo even, um, I was thinking about how that could, that ought to pivot really. I see around Bristol where we are, there's lots of, um, bundles aimed at different life stages like the student night friday night bundle um and you think well that's that's all well and good but actually it's not really catering to this audience and how might you change and pivot the offer um to to people i mean a kind of a multi-generational offer for on delivery would be would be really interesting so lucy t talk talk to us a little bit about what themes you've seen emerge whilst you've been researching and, and understanding the opportunities for brands and, and businesses in this in this demographic? So I guess some of the um, the themes I'm kind of seeing are I think an, an overwhelming feeling that they people either feel ignored or or not spoken to in the way that they they want to be spoken to um, very simplistic um, and advertising and communications that really focus around people's age and yeah, really around pensions and and, and funeral planning, really. Um, and I think so there's that kind of there's anger. And I think now we're seeing things like the Tiffany and Co advert, not your mother's Tiffany, which I think has enraged a lot of people, but where they're you've got brands that actively alienating their kind of heartland audience originally. And that's that's made people angry and annoyed. So I think there's the the annoyance and then I guess on the kind of more positive side of things what I kind of see amongst this audience is a real focus on health and wellness and proactive care like I think the pandemic has shown all of us how important it is to stay well and look after ourselves and not not be reactive and wait till we need care but be proactive and make sure we stay well and I think this audience that's a real focus area for them in the way that they're kind of really engaged and kind of high consumers of vitamins, mineral supplements, um, staying active. I think e-bikes would be a great example where we kind of we're helping to enable technologies, helping people to, to stay active. And then another one I saw, I was just reading an article about earlier today, funnily enough, was um, there's a pharmacy in the States and they've just become the first, they've launched a game and it's the first game, online gaming platform that's now prescribed to help people with various medical conditions like long COVID. And what they're finding is um, this generation, baby boomers as I'm loath to call them, but generation are the fastest um, growing kind of segment to get into gaming. And 
that can help with things like reactions, mental acuity and concentration, and also just um, engaging virtually with their kind of grandchildren, for example, um, on a kind of an online platform. So a kind of, for me, an unexpected uh, realm. Really interesting. And I think, you know, uh, for many people, when they reach this point in their life, they also have more disposable income than they, they have done. And I would imagine historically we've seen that manifest in terms of, you know, travel and experiences as well as uh, physical, you know, um, manifestations of, of property or, or belongings or whatever that form that form takes. What what are you seeing in that in that sort of space of disposable income and where that's going? I mean that that is true, and um, that gen- this generation are the, are the wealthiest generation of all time, actually, but certainly currently. Um, so that that certainly the wealth is is there, but you, as you say, not being able to necessarily spend it on on travel, for example, is one thing. Um, I guess again, having to stay at home um, has meant these this group are um, kind of I guess powering the e-commerce um, revolution or evolution. Um, that they, they spend more online money-wise than any other generation, and that's that's really accelerated. And I think um, with disposable income comes that kind of desire for something cut above, even in everyday products. So they are also the biggest consumers of of luxury brands as well. Um, but I think at the moment, yeah, that's kind of propelled by um, needing to stay at home more and entertain themselves from home. And therefore, e-commerce is, is a huge platform. And what what other um, ways have you seen COVID? So we obviously talk, touched on health and, and e-com. What other ways have you seen COVID impact um, this generation? I think, um, again, I'm going to come back to the, the language. I Kind of time and time again, we, we, we talk about the, the vulnerable populations and I don't think that people particularly want to be labelled vulnerable, I think. So I think um, feeling like that kind of word makes that audience feel like a burden and feel kind of like they're kind of helpless. And so actually, I think in some ways that COVID has kind of propelled that feeling of not being looked at in the right way or misrepresented as well. Because um, when you're thinking about someone vulnerable, I, I don't think that's aligned with kind of the reality for most most kind of fifty something to seventy something year olds. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I look at my parents, and they're they're both seventy five, and I don't look at them and think, you know, oh, you're really vulnerable. <laughs> I look at them, and, you know, and think, you know, that they're they're, they're going to be around for a long, long time and and living life and and loving life as well. And I think. Um, you know, the role of technology as well is quite interesting, isn't it? How I've seen the adoption of technology with, you know, my own parents, but it, I'd be interested to understand what that is looking like more broadly from, from your research, Lucy. So I think um, from the adoption of technology, I think, yes, these this this group are tech savvy. Um, they are kind of shopping from, from iPads, from their phones, engaging on social media engaging in in online gaming i think what probably hasn't has gone unchecked is inclusivity in that in that space and it's not that people it's not that people are technophobes it's not that they can't use that technology it's that um thinking about um, text size for visibility um it's thinking about people's dexterity and how they interact with things um and i don't know if we've really kind of 
got up to speed with it and fully understood the needs in in that space yeah absolutely and I think that that's really important from whether it's as you say the you know whether it's visibility of text or dexterity required with you know specific project uh, products or, or objects um, and I think you know obviously as you know Lucy this is something we're looking at more broadly across the business as a whole but it's definitely exacerbated with that that uh, generation mm-hmm. yeah absolutely the other thing that just sprang to mind is um and I remember um Obama gave a speech recently um with Greta Thunberg um saying that he wanted young people to get angry with the old generation because the world's on fire and and that kind of annoyed me because I know from the statistics that actually the baby generation are more more sustainably engaged and do more than other generations and they're tired with the brush that isn't isn't fair and I think actually in, in COVID thinking or feeling a little bit helpless to do anything they were the generation who were um kind of making um kind of scrubs for people to wear in their homes we're using their time to help with the pandemic and doing things looking at how they could could use their time in a productive way um they were the people you know going to people's doors and helping them with their shopping helping elderly relatives um so i think as well that's another um, thing we're seeing where the this generation have got more time the way they've they've chosen to use it during during covid and help absolutely no that's that's a really good point and Lucy, what are you seeing um, in the way of really great products, new products that are coming that are focused on this target? So I don't, I I still am kind of critical of what is out there because I think there is a bit of a, a, a dearth of people really, really focusing on this demographic. But I think there are a lot of products that that really um could be pivoted and could work better. So I'll take an example of kind of direct to direct to consumer services like um small which is kind of a, a kind of personal hygiene brand they do laundry detergent cleaners and you can tailor the delivery to uh, your personal what you want in terms of frequency um and kind of the size what the amounts that you want and it's something it's convenient you pay a bit more for it, it goes direct to your door it's a way to be more sustainable and you can tailor it to your household size. So you could see in a multi-generational household where you've got so many people maybe getting through a lot of products, but not a lot of space for those products. Actually something like that, where you can tailor the delivery and the amount you're getting and you get those little sachets rather than kind of full bottles. And things like that kind of service-led innovation, I think is is really a really interesting opportunity um, that you could really, really target. Um, Another example of a brand who I think really nail it at targeting different need states that people have. Functional need states would be Chobani. Um, they've got kind of the probiotic range. They've got their little Chobani range for, for children. They've got a plant-based range. They've got kind of a zero fat, zero sugar range for different health concerns. And I think it's, again, it's thinking about speaking to people in terms of scenarios, needs, life stages rather than age. That they've really nailed and that I imagine this generation will be really into. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And what do you think? So clearly there's there is a, a sizable opportunity there in your in your view. And um, what what do you think we need to be thinking about at XX Equals when we're di- designing more inclusive products? So I um I'm gonna borrow a soundbite that um 
that George Lee um, spoke about during a recent design seminar I went to. But basically, it's the idea that there's more that unites us. There's more similarities that we have than, than differences. And I think thinking about um, basically when we're designing a product, how do we make it so that it's accessible to the, the most number of people as inclusive as possible? So it's looking at what are the what are the similarities between individuals rather than the differences that are going to make um, this particular product successful and, and effective and suited to them. So where are the where are the overlaps rather than rather than thinking about difference? Because I think when we start thinking about difference, we start excluding, we start getting into the habit of developing something that's special for that person that's different to that person. And I think it just gets us into the wrong headspace. It's about how all of that comes together in the in the thinking. And it, it, I, I was thinking about the point that you made earlier about the fact that the anger, you know, and the fact that this generation is ignored. I mean, it, it does seem I might be stating the obvious here, but a really bizarre juxtaposition that that's the case when Millennials and Gen Z don't have that level of disposable income. They might be challenging more in terms of of, of what um, they're expecting from brands. You know, the benchmark has gone up and up and up, and all of the requests that are made of brands and businesses now to be transparent and and you know to be purpose driven and and yet and there's been a huge amount of attention paid to a lot of a lot of these factors, and yet at the same time it doesn't always feel like potentially those go beyond a very very thin veneer over a business um, and yet we've got this huge opportunity with you know the, the commercial argument there as well and yet these individuals are not having products developed for them that really deliver against what they they need and I think you know we, people are living for longer. We're seeing you know a growth in our aging population. We we need to. I guess what I'm asking is, what would you say to companies or brands that are listening about how they could convince their organisations to sit up and pay attention to the baby boomers? I think from a very, very cynical perspective, I think if you're talking about numbers, we need to go back to the fact that actually, take Britain as one example, 20% of baby boomers are millionaires. They they hold more wealth than any other kind of audience. So from a hard business case, it makes a lot of sense to target them. Another reason is we're living longer. Like a lot of us will live to 100 and, and beyond. There's this huge... If, to kind of get sucked in by the glamour of youth is is a mistake from a business level because there's it's not like kind of by committing to this audience you've only got them for a short space of time it's you know it's, it's a span of, kind of 40 years so from a longevity perspective it, it makes sense as well I think from a loyalty perspective I know there's it's kind of put upon brands to make sure that they they get a loyal com customer and they, they're with them through the different life stages well even if they um, kind of get a new customer at, at 60 they've got potentially 30 to 40 years of that, that customer so it's still kind of a long a long tail I guess if you like so it it, it, it makes sense um, it makes sense it really does and I think as well the point that you were making earlier Lucy when you were talking about healthcare and the proactivity in that space as well I think it's really important that 
that it's not forgotten about that that people don't see themselves as patients which is often how they're labeled they are people who might have a particular medical need or medical condition or or um you know that, that requires sometimes regular treatment etc um but it's around understanding i think this is quite an interesting angle from sort of healthcare brands as well it's around understanding the broader opportunity of how people live and also you know what they are aspiring to at that age and what you know what 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 great looks like yeah and i think what great looks like as an individual as you're as you're aging getting older is living your best life for as long as possible and i think people are really tapped into this kind of proactive health space and really like if I, I'm going to use an anecdotal example I'm sorry but my, my mother for example she looks at what's hereditary in her family uh, unfortunately Alzheimer's is, is one thing and so she's got like about 13 different supplements that she takes and she lays out herself but she's done the research on what she needs based on kind of her personal factors and that's I think that's Person, that's an opportunity for personalization isn't it and think about the individual but if you think about what a vitamin brand could do if they put all of her 13 supplements in one thing for her to take rather than having to do all that research themselves if someone was doing that for her enabling that well that would be that would deliver massive value um so i think there's that angle as well absolutely and it doesn't feel like there's a huge amount of innovation in this space does it no, I think like again, like it's putting a label on things and just hoping that therefore that's that's fine. And usually the label's wrong as well because it's again about kind of anti-aging and it it's that's not the kind of focus either. I I do think it's it's very interesting this this kind of switch that we're seeing as well away from um, you know we've seen how elements particularly around things which alter our appearance such as you know with Botox fillers whatever whatever it is. We've seen this um, this grow um, sort of down in in age in terms of you know women women in their young you know in their early twenties you know to certainly to who I would perceive as a very young woman you know engaging in in sort of altering their appearance through through um, through these these um, these avenues and then equally you know that's always been sort of associated with older women as well and and yet there is it does feel like there's this um, this kind of almost um, rebellion against that doesn't there just sort of saying actually you know in many cultures people um, you know will look at scars as as a sign of strength or bravery or you know victory as, a, as an extreme example why can't we you know we've got this strange dichotomy where you know men get older and are described as silver foxes or you know whichever other terrible terminology you want to be used it's like where what's the equivalent for a woman you know how how is that celebrated? I know exactly, and I think um, the one area we're seeing now is grey hair has just become terribly fashionable, hasn't it? Um, but kind of that's kind of the one starting point. I saw a really cringe-worthy example of that being lived out in um, and just like that, the new Sex and the City series, and they're having a conversation about some grey hair and whether it's aging, whether it's wonderful, and it all plays out in a very cringe-worthy way, as you'd imagine. But um, I don't know why we have to separate why um aging and beauty are separate kind of like at odds with each other and why youth equals beautiful and not age um and i don't know why you know yeah gray hair is the one example where we're starting to kind of accept people as they are and kind of aging parts of life and, and qualities of gray hair is is beautiful and attractive i don't know why we can't celebrate the other elements and attributes kind of physical um and emotional that we we, we get when we as we age and as we get 
older. You see, I think that's that's a really beautiful point to to end on. And um, I'm feeling very optimistic as I'm heading towards my baby boomer years. I have got I have got a way to go yet, but um, but I'm really hoping that we're going to start seeing a bit of a change in this in this opportunity space because it really feels like it's one that's massively you know underutilized and um, underdeveloped at the moment. And and equally, there are other spaces where. You know, we see the complete opposite, really saturated marketplaces. So I think I'm going to spend my weekend thinking about what what brand I can launch in this space. I bet I bet you've had a few thoughts on that, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I have actually. I am. I really just am really I'm really passionate about proactive health and preventative health because I know how underfunded and um, under pressure, for example, the NHS health system is and that in America. There isn't a publicly funded health system for all. and I think people do want to have more control and do want to take an active role in their own health. And I think that's, I guess, if I was going to launch something, I think that's that's the space that I would personally play in. And I'd probably focus on mental health again because it's something I'm passionate about. It's close to my heart. Absolutely. And I think, you know, with COVID as it as it stands at the moment and the, you know, the continuing waves that I'm sure we'll see for years to come, then that feels like an area which really needs some serious time and investment. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's exactly right. Thank you so much, Lucy, for, for talking to us about this today. It's a really fascinating topic and and I think it, it stretches it stretches our XX equals boundaries, but it, it really does show how our team are thinking about this, really. You know, the core purpose of what we're trying to do with XX equals is around um, the, you know, around addressing the the the. the gaping chasms I was going to say gaps but it is gaping chasms around women's health and well and well-being but equally we try and think about that across a number of different perspectives as well in terms of um, diversity and inclusivity and, and accessibility being being just some of those so um, it's really appreciated the the thoughts that you've you've put together in in this space thank you so much Thank you. No, it's been great to talk about it and choose a bat. Um, so thanks for some really interesting questions, Mel. Hope we get to do. I hope we get to work on some more projects kind of focused on this audience. Really. Fingers crossed. Well, we've got to launch our brand, Lucy. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, but, but first, let's do that. Great. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening, please rate, review, and subscribe, and keep your eyes peeled for our next episode. 